Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is John 9, so you can begin looking that up now. And while you're getting that ready, I'll pray, asking God to bless us as we read and consider his word, read the passage, and then we'll go to the children's talk. So if you have children, make sure they're listening, and then we'll go to the sermon. So let's pray. Our God in heaven, we thank you for your word, and pray that as we read and consider it, that your spirit would be at work in our hearts. Your word is more valuable than gold and sweeter than honey, because it reveals the truth about you, our God and our Redeemer. Give us a heart which is growing in love for you as we read. In Jesus' name, Amen. And now let's read John 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. 
So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. And now it's over to the children's talk. Hi everyone, I'm here with two of my kids, Hannah and Ellie. Say hi guys. Hi. All right, now can you remember what we've been learning, or what we just started learning last week? Yes, Hannah? To know and believe Jesus is King. That's right. And who is teaching us that? Uh, John. That's right. John. John's Gospel is teaching us to know, so we point to our heads, know and believe, hand over our hearts, that Jesus, point up, is King. Make a crown on our heads. John wants us to know and believe Jesus is King. And we also met someone last week. Who was that? Ellie? Albert. Albert, that's right. Our blue duck friend. And Albert has been going to school and he's made some friends. Now, Albert is a bit of a trickster. He's a bit of a trickster and he likes to surprise people and play some pranks on people. But he's trying to think through how he could scare some of his friends and he's realised something. His quack isn't very scary. Have you ever tried to scare someone with a quack? No, no, me either, because quacks just aren't scary. And so he's been thinking and thinking, and he's thought, well, do you know what? A roar would work really well if he could sneak up on some friends and roar. 
then that would scare them and that would be a whole lot of fun. And so he got to practicing when he was in his room at home and he'd practice and he'd go, quack. Oh, that wasn't a roar. He'd practice and he'd go, quack. Oh, that wasn't a roar. No matter how hard he tried, he couldn't roar. And so he had to go to one of his friends and he went to Larry. Here's Larry, Larry the lion. And he told Larry all about his friend. He was saying that no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't roar and he wanted to scare his friends. And so Larry thought, yeah, that sounds like a bit of fun. And so Albert, he grabbed some friends and said, hey, come over here. I've got something to show you. And along they all came. And Albert, remembering that he, no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't roar, he led them through. And then Larry was behind some bushes. And when they walked past, he went... That's right, because there was no way that Albert could roar. And when Larry roared, all his friends jumped in surprise and got a bit scared. And some of them started to run away until they realized that it was just Larry, their classroom friend. Now, in the story that we've read, there's a man who couldn't do something, no matter how hard he tried. Albert... He couldn't roar, no matter how hard he tried. But this man couldn't see. No matter how hard he tried, this man, he couldn't see. Every day, he'd open his eyes from his sleep, and he still couldn't see. No matter what happened, the sun would rise, and he still couldn't see. He'd blink, and he still couldn't see. People would walk past. And he couldn't see them. But one day, Jesus walked past. And Jesus healed him. Jesus helped him to see. Okay, No one had been able to do that before. No matter how hard the man tried, he couldn't see. Just like no matter how hard Albert practiced, he couldn't roar. Now, remember what we're learning in John. Yeah? John is teaching us to know and believe Jesus is king. And something we learn from this story is we need Jesus to help us to see that he is king. Okay? It's not something that we are clever enough to believe. It's something that we need Jesus to show us. It's as if Jesus gives us eyes to see him for who he is. Okay, we need Jesus to show us so that we can know and believe Jesus is king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus gives us eyes to see him for who he is. Thank you that because of him, we can believe, we can know him. We pray that you would uh, give us that faith to believe, that you would give us eyes to see so that we would know Jesus and love him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Why can't they see? It's the question we all ask ourselves whenever we're in a disagreement, trying to convince someone of what we know to be true. It might be a serious argument, like when Beck and I argue about whether cucumber is a gift from God or is a part of the curse. Or it might be even more serious and substantial, a disagreement which is truly driving your family apart because someone refuses to acknowledge a hurt from the past or bad behaviour. Why can't they see? What can I do to convince them? Once the yelling is gone and you're in your own corners, you try to think up what you could have said differently, how you could have answered that question or objection better. Why can't they see? It's a question we ask ourselves in religious debates. It might have been a friendly but passionate debate with a friend, another Christian, who disagrees with you about some part of the faith. R.C. Sprawl and John MacArthur were great friends before Sprawl died, and they had a public, formal debate on baptism. Both very strong in their beliefs, trying to convince both the audience and each other of their own point of view. No doubt, each was wondering about the other, why can't he see? And if you're a Christian, your heart breaks when you look at a friend or family member who doesn't believe in Jesus. Why can't they see? And this story in John 9 answers that question. Why can't they see? Because only Jesus can give sight to the blind. We saw at the end of chapter 8 the crowd picking up stones to kill Jesus. He'd claimed to be, I am, the immortal God. He'd said he was the light of the world, 8.12, and whoever followed him wouldn't walk in darkness, but would have the light of life. And now we come to the first section of chapter 9, verses 1 to 12, where we see the light gives sight. Jesus and his disciples come across a man born blind, and the disciples ask, verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The disciples thought like Job's friends. They assumed suffering is connected to individual sins. Job's friends told him to confess and he'd find healing. But Job rejected that. He'd done nothing wrong and he was proved right. We all think that way sometimes. When tragedy strikes, we wonder, why? Why has God allowed this? What are we being punished for? But Jesus doesn't let us think so rigidly about suffering. In chapter 5, he warned a man he'd healed not to sin or something worse might happen. And now he says in verse 3, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Suffering is a big issue, and the Bible has lots to say about it. Sometimes suffering is caused directly by a sin we've committed. It might be discipline from God. But sometimes it's not the result of a particular sin, but because this world is broken. Sometimes people use suffering as a reason they don't believe in God. But if there's no God, why is suffering bad? If there's no God, suffering is natural, normal. 
The very reason we think it shouldn't be this way is because there's a God who made a perfect world. I can say from personal experience, suffering isn't a reason to run from God. It's a reason to run to God because he's promised that one day suffering will be no more. And on this day, this man's blindness was no more. Don't you wish you were there? Imagine the man's emotions. One moment he can't see and doesn't even understand sight. And suddenly light enters his eyes and his brain interprets the signals, converting it into a picture. Some of you have had a small moment of that kind of joy. You've had cataracts or some other eye issue. And after surgery, suddenly you can see. You might have seen videos of organisations like Christian Blind Mission, where they raise money for lots of surgeries to help those who can't afford it. The smiles that come from these people who never thought they'd be able to see again can't help but make you emotional for them. It all happens in verses 6 to 7. The light gives sight. Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Why spit on the ground and anoint his eyes with mud? No one knows, and there's plenty of suggested reasons, but ultimately it doesn't matter. The man could now see. Light has entered his eyes, and for the first time ever, he could see. The people around him were wondering if it was really him. They were so used to him begging as a blind man. Jesus was right. The works of God have been displayed in him. In the second section, verses 13 to 34, we see the Pharisees investigate. Everyone's confused because this is impossible. No one can do this. No one except Jesus, John says, because only Jesus can give sight to the blind. The people bring the man to the Pharisees. Who better than the religious experts to explain this? But there's a division. Jesus had mixed saliva and dirt, anointed some eyes, and performed an act of healing. Jesus said in verse 4, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. But this was the Sabbath, a day of rest, not work. The man explains what happened, and the Pharisees divide into two parties, with two arguments, two conclusions, and both faulty. One said, verse 16, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. They've decided he's not from God because they think he's rebelled against God's law on the Sabbath. But he hasn't. He's rejected their tradition. He's following God's law, not their man-made rules. The others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And they're right. God is working through him. But they get there the wrong way. The Old Testament warns about false prophets doing miracles using demonic power. The Pharisees are wrong and hopelessly confused whether they side with Jesus or not. But one side wins. 
The man's parents are scared, so they're only willing to identify their son and confirm he was born blind, nothing else. They don't want to be thrown out of the local synagogue, not even to back their son. So the Pharisees start playing the part of the police in a TV show, certain they've got their man. If they could have, they'd have played all the tricks. You can imagine them dragging the healed man into the police station and putting him under the hot lights, letting him sweat, literally. Maybe they'd leave him in the interrogation room for a few hours. Then they'd pound him with question after question. Then they'd go over the same questions again, said in slightly different ways, trying to catch any inconsistencies. They're confident they've got a liar, and they're desperate to catch him in the act. Give glory to God. Tell the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. Verse 24. But all he can say is what happened to him. Verse 25. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. He's not going to play their game. He knows what they're up to. Why do you want to hear it again, he asks. Do you also want to become his disciples? The Pharisees attack him and Jesus, saying they don't know where he's from, accusing him of being a sinner. But the man's convinced he's from God. And notice what the Pharisees say in verse 34, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? They're doing at least two things here. They're admitting he was born blind, so Jesus must have healed him. That's why they're mocking him for being born in sin. They're convinced his blindness was caused by his sin before birth. And second, they're ignoring the Old Testament promises that when the Messiah came, he'd open the eyes of the blind. Isaiah 29.18 says, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The Pharisees' investigation was a sham. They refused to see that the light of the world gave this man his sight. They'll never admit that only Jesus, God in flesh, can give sight to the blind. Which brings us to the third section, verses 35 to 41. True sight, tragic blindness. Again, we see Jesus' compassion to this man. He's been thrown out of the synagogue. And when Jesus heard about it, he looked for him. And when he found him in verse 35, he asked him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus was testing the man, bringing him to the point of faith. He'd started the chapter blind, never having met Jesus. Then Jesus healed him, and he was willing to tell the Pharisees that he thought he was a prophet. But now, Jesus is standing before him. The man has seen him for the first time, and he asks him whether he believes in the Son of Man. Now, sometimes, Son of Man just means man, a normal person. Ezekiel is called Son of Man a few times in his book. But Daniel predicts another Son of Man in Daniel 7. Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. 
His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is a man, but he also sounds like God. He came with the clouds of heaven. That's very godlike. He's got dominion over everyone and everything, and everyone serves him, which could be translated, worships him. Does the healed man believe in him? Verse 36, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Beck has been watching Call the Midwife recently. It's set in 1950s London, following the dramas of the midwives as they help women give birth. As you'd expect, there are joys and tragedies. But there's also some ironies as you watch some of these medical people smoking in their homes, and even in the hospitals. These medical people, so often certain in what's right and good for people's health, are damaging their own health and of their patients. We'd be tempted to think that kind of irony would never happen today, because now we know how bad smoking is for you. But the other week, I was walking past the hospital, and guess what I saw? A pack, I imagine that's the right term, a pack of medical workers smoking. They were huddled together, chatting and smoking. Oh, the irony. They'd never dream of going inside to do it anymore, but doctors and nurses were willing to suck on cancer sticks in full view of everyone going past. And the irony in this story is the man who is blind can now see better than those who claim that they can see better than others. This man has responded rightly to Jesus. He's worshipped him. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders, don't recognise God when he's right in front of them, having given sight to a man born blind. They respond to Jesus by asking, Are we also blind? And in the Greek, the way they've asked the question expects no as the answer. But they are. They refuse to see the truth. The blindfold is on. They won't allow themselves to see the light of the world. They can never admit that only Jesus can give sight to the blind. So what should we take away from this story? Here's just three ideas. First, remember, this healing is a sign. John calls Jesus' miracles sign because these real historical events point to a spiritual reality. We sing John Newton's words, was blind, but now I see, because we were blind to our own sinfulness and to Jesus' cross which saves us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.6, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We were blind with no way to make ourselves see. We couldn't be convinced yelling didn't work, time wouldn't make us see, being with seeing people didn't make us see. If you're a Christian, if you've seen your sin and that Jesus is the Saviour and Lord, that's not because you learned to see, it's because Jesus gave you sight. Only Jesus can give sight to the blind, so we can't look down on people 
who don't see who Jesus really is. This story should spark humility because it shows how utterly helpless and blind we were before Jesus gave us sight. But if you're exploring who Jesus is, don't just sit back and wait for Jesus to give you sight to show that he's real. The way he'll do that is through you reading the Bible, talking with Christians, asking questions. But as you do that, it's Jesus who gives eyes to see. So ask him to do that. Ask him if he's real to show you, to give you sight. This is a sign. And second, it's a prod. Remember what this man said when the Pharisees were questioning him? Actually, attacking him? He didn't have all the answers. He didn't even have a full picture of who Jesus was yet. He couldn't talk about the Trinity or answer every question that could possibly be put to him. But to their question, he very boldly said in verse 25, One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. He knew what Jesus had done for him, and he boldly told them. Do you know what Jesus has done for you? Are you ready to tell people when they ask you, Why do you go to church? What do Christians believe? How can you keep going when life is hard? Even though you don't have all the answers to their questions, can you tell them your story? Are you ready to tell them very simply that you deserve death for your sin, but Jesus paid that price for you on the cross? Can you tell them Jesus died and rose again so I could be forgiven and be forever with God. You don't need to know more than that before you start telling people about Jesus. They might ask you questions you don't know the answers to that you've never thought about before, but that's okay. Say you don't know the answer, that you'll try to find the answer, but say what you do know. And pray, because that person you're speaking to will only be able to see Jesus for who he is If Jesus gives them sight, let this man's boldness prod you to being bold and prayerful. Jesus said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Today is the day of salvation. So let's tell people. It's a sign. It's a prod. And a call to worship. If you've seen who Jesus is. That only Jesus can give sight to the blind because he's God in the flesh. Then our response must be to worship him. No one else deserves to have us live for them, to centre our whole lives around them. No one else deserves our highest love. And how could we love anyone more when only he can give sight to the blind? Let's pray. Our God in heaven. We pray that you would truly give sight to the blind. Our God, that as we speak of the Jesus we know, as we speak of what you have done for us by sending Jesus to die for us, as we tell them of our sin which has been forgiven and the freedom that we have been given through Jesus, we pray that you would give sight to the blind. 
We pray that these words, that this story would be a prod for us to do this evangelism, to speak the truth. We pray, our God, that we would remember that it's only through you giving us sight that we can believe. And we pray that we would truly worship you because of what you have done for us. May we worship you in spirit and in truth and centre our whole lives around you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.